Hey guys, and welcome to Your Spiritual Best Friend, a podcast about mental health and astrology. Have you guys ever had a bad day or felt so anxious to the point where you are struggling to find yourself in this vast society we call life? Not to worry, guys. I have felt this way too. The podcast interviews guests from college students to parents and even experts that talk about their journey to where they are in the present moment. So sit back and relax and remember that you are not alone. Without further ado, let's get started with today's podcast. Have you guys heard about Anchor by Spotify as being the easiest way to make a podcast? Let me explain. It's free. Anchor has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Best of all, when even hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, like I said before, Anchor is totally free. So pick up your phones, laptops, or whatever you use and download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I hope to hear your podcast. Hey everybody and welcome back to the podcast. Episode 30 titled A Reflective Personality talks about the story of Maria Rieger, a professional banker, parent, and also author to two great books that I recommend you guys picking up and reading, Your Gemini Child and also Your Scorpio Child. Maria talks about her journey and her passions for writing and also finding herself in this world. Maria also gives great advice about relationships and also for parents building that relationship with their child. You can follow Maria on social media and also check out her books by clicking on the links in the show description below. And before you guys can tune into our full conversation, please guys like and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Your subscriptions will help boost the podcast overall and really help expand the word of the podcast. But without further ado, here is my full conversation with Maria. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Your Spiritual Best Friend. I am your host, Josh Sanchez, and I'm here with a very special guest, Maria Seeger. Maria, what's going on and how are you doing today? Uh, Thanks, Josh, uh, for having me. This is a very cool idea for a podcast and I've been listening to it. Very, very cool stuff you talk about. I'm good. I appreciate you having me today and taking the time. Yeah, of course. And I just wanted to say again, I appreciate appreciate you for reaching out and coming on out and stuff. And with this recording, we're going to talk a little bit about everything, you know, your journey. It's all about you. It's your spiritual best friend, you know, and I definitely think we can start off this podcast with just asking yourself real quick. My first question is, what are some passions that you have, Maria? And what are some things that you really like to do? Sure. Uh, so like many Gemini sun people, <laughs> I have a variety of different passions and endeavors. I do all kinds of stuff. Um, I am a banking corporate attorney by day, and I enjoy that. I, you know, obviously as a Gemini I approach life coming from a logical, rational point of view. 
but uh, I do have a creative side and I've been kind of writing stories since I was, you know, 12 or 13 years old. So I write uh, fiction novels, romance, uh, contemporary romance and romantic suspense. But I also have another line of nonfiction parenting books. I'm a parent and I found myself in the challenging position of kind of having to reparent myself and heal from past childhood trauma while also parenting my kid as a first time parent. And that led me into a bunch of you know healing insights that I decided to, to help other parents and publish books. And I'm also a practicing astrologer, so I incorporate astrology into my, my positive parenting books. But that's my real passion is writing. The fiction stuff lets me kind of get really creative and the parenting stuff lets me help other people. And that's incredibly fulfilling. Wow. And, and I will say that, it, like, again, like you mentioned, like you are a Gemini, so you're you're doing a lot of yep. just so many different tasks and stuff like that, you know? And, yep. and my next question, just building off of it, I know you said like you're deep rooted passion is writing, you know, uh, where did that really start from? I know you mentioned at a young age, but like, mm-hmm. has there ever been someone that's really like influenced you to writing or have you always just had that mindset, you know, that creative writing mindset? Right. Uh, so I've always loved to read. I mean, since I was like, as long as I can remember, I always loved reading. I'm a huge introvert. So I love to be at home doing my own thing. And I was always as a kid hold up in my room, reading books, like fantasy books, sci-fi anything that was a good story, basically. And uh, yeah, so I had, as a again, as a Gemini, I'm a huge daydreamer. When I was bored, which is frequently in you know office meetings and stuff, I'll daydream even now, right? I'll daydream and kind of make up stories. So I had all these stories going on in my head that I, I felt, you know, called to, to write, to write them, write them out. And um, yeah, but I, my first passion really was reading. And from there, I just read a bunch of different genres, was influenced by a bunch of different authors from Agatha Christie and Ken Follett to more modern authors, thriller authors and Stephen King. And uh, yeah, that's a really, um, actually, as a teenager, we had a creative writing assignment for creative writing class where we had to contact an author and actually wrote to Ken Follett and he wrote me back and that was really cool. (laughs) So uh, yeah, so, uh, but that's kind of where it started. Yeah, because I mean, as I was just hearing your answer, you know, like that was just something that really just fascinated me right off the bat, you know, because when it comes to like doing creative things, you know, whether that's podcasting, writing, artwork, it usually stems from somewhere, you know, that deep rooted passion, you know, Mm -hmm. and that just leads me right to my next question. I know you mentioned a lot about like writing and also like you've written your book and stuff. Tell everybody about that a little bit when it comes to writing a book, like what was like the journey that you went through, you know, or like stuff that like you process when you do create that book? Yeah. So I, my process for writing fiction is a little bit different than from nonfiction. Um, when I'm writing my parenting books, I basically like do a data dump of all the information I think is going to be relevant. And from there you kind of will it down what's going to be helpful. And my nonfiction, my parenting books are kind of geared toward the busy parent. So I try to keep them succinct. You know, I, um, I, I could be pretty verbose, but I try to keep my, my nonfiction stuff succinct and, and not too uh, repetitive. Um, and the fiction stuff, I, you know, I, I allow myself a lot more freedom. And for, for the fiction novels, I'm more of an outliner. So I'll have an idea kind of of the guts of the novel. And then I'll outline, I'm, I'll write scenes out of order, just whatever I'm, I feel called to write that day. Like I may be really into an action scene or really into like, more of a dramatic scene, or I may want to write the finale of the book today. And that's what I'll focus on. And later I'll put them, I'll put them together. I'm a little bit 
more organized writing the nonfiction stuff. I think that's just part of the creative process for fiction is whatever occurs to you. Sometimes you'll have an idea for a scene and I cannot relax until I just get it down like on my computer. So I'll do that. And then I, I feel like now I can relax. I won't forget that I've written it down. So now I can think about other things. <laughs> Wow, that's really cool, and and I'm definitely really interested in that. I, I always wonder because I know you mentioned nonfiction and fiction, so that's what really led to right. that question. I was just like, because I know with fiction, it's just sort of because it's creative, you know. Whereas nonfiction, you have facts, you have like mm-hmm. logic, you know. It's more logical. So like when I heard you say I wrote both nonfiction and fiction, I was like, wow, like let's. Right. I, I really just wanted to know. Uh, um, but just sure. building off of like, I know you mentioned books. I know you mentioned you've written fiction books and also nonfiction when it comes to parenting and stuff. Um, my next question, just connecting to parenting a little bit. I know you mentioned that you are, you are a Gemini mom, you know, and how is it, you know, like raising your kids and also seeing them grow up? Cause I know for me, I am a, I'm getting my master's I'm 23, you know, I'm nowhere close to being a parent yet, you know, oh, yeah. so you're young, you got yeah. time. <laughs> I can only imagine what it's like for like, whether that's my mom or even my grandmother, Mm -hmm. like seeing everybody grow up, you know? So just tell me Mm -hmm. a little bit about that process of parenting and all that fun stuff. Oh, wow. Well, um, you are never prepared to be a parent. I feel like it's just something we all, there's no manual, right? You just kind of learn as you go. Um, I parent very differently from how I was parented, uh, I don't feel like I was parented in a healthy way. And I decided I did not want to be like that because I had a whole host of problems as an adult, like poor boundaries, other things that were direct, that were heavily influenced by how I was parented. I was not a lot of ways I was negatively conditioned. So I didn't want that for my kid. I wanted him to self-champion. I didn't want him to feel like he couldn't be his authentic self with his parents, right? Because I feel like the parents are kind of, if anyone should be, um, you know, batting for the kid, championing the kid it's the parents right so that's kind of the relationship i formed with my son now he's very young he's only 12 but um we have this very open relationship where i know he is not an extension of me i don't project my own wants needs and securities on him he's he's different he has a different chart that's where astrology comes in for parenting right he's a separate sovereign being for me different preferences he doesn't have to do the things that i like to do whatever right now, as far as your question, like what, what it's like, I am very conscious of the fact that my time at home with him is limited. You know, he's going to grow up. That's a normal development, right? Leave the house, be independent, and I will miss him. Um, and I already miss him. Like what? Like he's not home now. He's, he's with his dad this week. And it's always nice to get a break from the parenting duties. But at the same time, I miss him all the time. So I know that when he eventually grows up and leaves the house for good, I'll miss him. So as a result, I take advantage of the time we have together now. And there are a lot of times that he asked me to like, we're big gamers in my house. So he'll ask me to game with him or he'll ask me to read with him or do something or watch a show with him. And most of the time I'll drop what I'm doing and I'll go, you know, do it with him because it, that's some of our best memories are doing those things together. And I think like how many moments and days like this do I have left with him? You know? So, I mean, he's not, he's a few years away from college, but that time goes by really quickly. (laughs) So, so I, that's kind of how I parent. I focus more on building this strong relationship with him where he knows he's loved no matter what. And he knows he can trust me and everything else stems from there. Like, I think that's what positive parenting is about. Like kids naturally want to cooperate if they believe the parent has their best interests at heart and they can trust the parent. 
Yeah, and I will say that was just a really spot on answer. I, I'm definitely following you when it comes to that. And I'm definitely, as I'm hearing you describe your answer, for me, I remember with my parents, it was always with music. We would always blast music in the car, you know, we're jamming That's music cool. together. But I mean, I wish my parents would have played video games with me. I'm just saying that <laughs> you seem really cool, Maria, I must say. When well, it comes I appreciate to playing you saying that. I I, try, <laughs> I mean, I always tell my son, like we we actually, we did a gaming tournament last week. We got like top 10%. I was shocked. I always give him the caveat. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I don't have the reflexes of these young kids. I will try my best, but I do not have the reflexes of this kid, these kids, right? But we still have fun together. And that's, and like boys, especially, I think, bond through those type of activities, like the competitive activities. So it's a very cool thing. Yeah, like I'll play with him and his friends. And, you know, he still thinks I'm cool some of the time. That'll change. So. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, I must say that that's definitely something really cool to hear, you know, and because I've never really heard of, you know, like parents playing video games with their kids. Uh, um, but just building off of that, you know, I know you mentioned a lot about how, like, you didn't want to raise like your kids similar to how your parents raised you, you know, and I definitely feel like especially for a lot of like old school generation households, you know, where you just have generations and generations of trauma, you know, where things get carried over from one generation right. to the next. Um, For you, like, what was a, like a moment for you that really, like, you realized, like, I cannot continue like this generational, like pattern, right. if you get what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I remember a couple of moments. Um, I, I remember like, you know, uh, well, my mother, among other things, would like always yell at us all the time. And that was extremely, you know, I'm a very hyper, like sensitive introvert. So it was always very troubling to me. Right. And I would go in almost like fight or flight mode. Um, and I remember like yelling at my son when he was like maybe four or something like that. And him kind of yelling back at me crying. And I thought, like, what am I doing? Like, I don't want to be like, like I don't want to be like this. I just don't want to be a parent like this. And it's obviously troubling to him. Like he's not learning. This is not helping at all. This is not helping the relationship. And I made this concerted effort to not yell or raise my voice at all. And it took about maybe a year, but because he used to yell back at me, obviously, because that's what he was modeled for him. And it took about a year, but he eventually like would, and he obviously with, you know, with age comes some maturity for kids too. They get more mature and, and, and articulate as they get older. He, uh, he would eventually like model the behavior back to me. Like he wouldn't yell. He stopped yelling. When I stopped yelling, he stopped yelling. And then it got to the point that I would be able to help him articulate like what's, what's going on. Well, I feel this, or I feel upset that you did this. And now that he's 12, he is incredibly articulate about his feelings. Now he's a Scorpio. So his feelings, that's his whole world, the whole range of human experiences and um, like emotive experiences is what he's about. So part of my job is to help him, like you said, like identify, process the feelings, kind of sit with them and let them go. Cause Scorpios can harbor a lot. You know, they can, they can dwell on the feelings a lot, a long time. And that's not always healthy. I don't want him to do that, but he, he's very, he's become very articulate with describing his feelings and his emotional experience. And I apologize when it's warranted. If I mess up and parents do mess up, I apologize. I don't think a parent loses any authority or respect when they apologize to a kid. I think it's the opposite. The kid feels like, wow, like my mom or my dad recognizes they messed up. They obviously feel bad about it and they're working to change it. And, and they, there's, there's a lot of healthy respect, you know, that's, that comes about from that exchange, I think. 
Yeah, and you made a really great point that the way how you ended like your your the answer to that question was really spot on, I believe, because I feel like when it comes to parents, you know, like they have like this obviously like they're the adult in the relationship and your mm-hmm. child is the child in the situation, you know. So when parents actually do mistakes, because like you said, Maria, like parents make mistakes similar to how right. children make mistakes, you know, that's how we learn and that's how we grow as people. Um, I definitely think that is some great advice and that leads me right to my next question as well but before I get to that I wanted to say like um that I feel like that's a really great point you know when it comes to parenting you know like admitting when you do make a mistake to your child like hey like how I spazzed out to you earlier like that was definitely not normal and I should not have reacted that way Mm -hmm. because you know because again like it's okay to be wrong because we're human at the end of the day like like you mentioned Maria you know and I definitely I just really wanted to emphasize that point and I was really that was definitely like the highlight of the answer that really stuck to me, you know, when it comes to that. It's like for parents just admitting, hey, like I made a mistake here, you know, yeah. like um, just to connect personally, like my relationship with my dad. I mean, it's always been shaky, like he's been in and out of my life, you know, consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, so like one of one of our best conversations that we had actually was like our earlier this year, like we actually just sat down and he was just honest with me like, hey, like. I've really messed up, you know, I was not consistently there. And that was something for me that I really needed to hear. Um, so just really emphasizing your point, you know, like oh, parents, yeah. when you do make mistakes, you know, it's okay, you know, just own up to them, be honest with your child and just keep it pushing, you know, and that leads me right to my next question, Marie. And I will say I've really enjoyed this parenting advice so far. It's really been great. <laughs> good, good. Um, just I'm building glad. off of that, um, when it comes to advice, so let's say someone is just a brand new parent just starting out, what's some ad- advice that you would give to them as they are going on this new journey now of becoming like a parent and stuff like that? Gotcha. Um, well, it, you know, the advice does differ based on the age of the child, but if it's a new baby, obviously kind of, uh, going forward, I would advise to focus on building a strong relationship and how do you do that? Lots of one-on-one time, obviously that type of nature of the time spent together changes as kids get older, right? Uh, lots of one-on-one time where you're directly engaging the child. So as kids get older and they start to talk and, you know, do activities with you, that means, you know, stopping what you're doing, uh, you know, have distraction-free time with the kids, look them in the eyes, ask them questions, you know, that kind of thing that they know you're focused on them, right? And um, also, whenever they seek connection from you, prioritize the connection over correction. I find a lot of the times kids see connection with parents and the parents are quick to like correct something the kids are doing. And the parent doesn't really realize that the kid is coming to them seeking a connection that they don't want a solution. That was a big thing I had to get over because I always wanted to like provide solutions for my kid. And he wanted me to like provide comfort and empathy first. And I would think, well, I resolved your problem. Like, why aren't you happy about this? Because he didn't want me to resolve his problem. He wanted empathy, right? And so that's that should be the frontline reaction for the parent is comfort and empathize. And then as kids get older, you can ask, do you, would you like me to get involved or help you with this? And if they say no, respect that, unless there's some really important reason you need to get involved, you know, respect that. So that's kind of the, that's kind of a big thing. Also when kids share stuff with you, if it's really serious or deep or, you know, so-called negative stuff, do not overreact. Because one of the number one reasons I find that kids, older kids hide things from parents is they're afraid of the parents' reaction. They're afraid of getting in trouble, right? So 
So don't overreact when they tell you stuff, kind of listen. And if it's something serious, have a conversation about it. But your first line of reaction should not be, you know, to yell or to get super worked up because then their kid will be less likely to come to come talk to you about it later. And obviously, as kids get older and become teenagers and gravitate more toward their peers, you want them to come talk to the parents, especially about serious stuff. So you always want to have that relationship where they feel comfortable coming to you. Wow. And I will say that was a really great piece of advice as well, because I know just like reflecting for myself, I mean, I've always come to my grandma for things. And I definitely think to prove your point, Maria, like she was always the one that was very just understanding like yeah like like when i when i would come to her like there would not be judgment right away like right. she would listen understand and we would have a conversation now obviously sometimes like some things were warranted it's like dude like what the hell are you doing you know sure every kid <laughs> yeah and especially for your son too you'll probably have moments as well because i will say scorpios as great as they are they're definitely emotionally intense and they are very secretive um <laughs> they are out of all the signs they can they're probably one of the most secretive signs out of yes. all of them um, but just from jokes aside, you know, and stuff, there's going to be moments like that. But like you said, just having that foundation of that one-on-one relationship, you're reliable, consistent, you know, and, and, and avoid judgment right away. Like you said, like it, when let the person, let your child speak to you, you know, let them communicate to you, have a conversation with them. Hey, like what's going on? Because at the end of the day, like I mentioned before, we are all humans. We all make mistakes, you know, and it's how we learn from those mistakes. Like you said, Maria, that that's what matters the most, you know, and how is someone going to learn if they address to you like, Hey, I made a mistake and there's immediate backlash, you know? So it's right. like, so just to really point, emphasize and bring your point home, I definitely agree with that. And that was some great advice as well, Maria. Um, but continuing our, our conversation, now we mentioned a lot about parenting and stuff, and I've really enjoyed that so far. Transitioning into astrology a little bit. I know you mentioned you're a Gemini. Your son's yep. a Scorpio. I, I like that. You're one of the f- first few guests that really like is bringing that in into the conversation, which is cool to hear. Um, but my first question for you is for astrology for you, like where did this passion for it start and where did it like stem from? Sure. So I've I've been into astrology pretty much uh, my whole life. I remember as a like an adolescent and a teenager um, reading like the tradi- you know the traditional Linda Goodman sun signs like back in the day, right? And I, being really into it, and I I didn't necessarily know how accurate it was, but I I thought there was some merit to it. But as I got older, um, I noticed patterns with the energy and, um, you know, like you say, Scorpio people tend to have a certain energy. Gemini people tend to have a certain energy. Now, a lot of that depends on the placements, the chart, moon and rising sign and other houses and other things. Right. But I noticed these patterns that would come up constantly. And I came to the conclusion that there is some merit towards studying astrology, the birth chart kind of as a tool for self-knowledge and self-help. And the way I see it. It's like one tool of many, right? So with psychotherapy, MBTI, self-help books, it's another tool, not the only tool, but it is a tool to use for, you know, the chart holder to understand themselves better and kind of how they approach life and how they approach relationships and their emotional world and things like that. And I, you know, concluded that even though we don't necessarily know why astrology has merit, that just because we don't necessarily know how the energy works, um, that doesn't mean that there is no value in it because I think, you know, obviously 
everyone has this particular energy about them. And you'll hear, hear, hear people say, well, my energy didn't vibe with that person's. That's exactly right. Like their energies just did not mesh well, right? We all know that those there are people that are just very off-putting to us, people we are drawn to. Like Scorpio is a great example. Scorpio people tend to magnetize others or repel others. It's like there's, it's, there's, that's kind of how, just how it works. And that's based on the other person's energy. So yeah, that's kind of how I got into it. And then I saw the value of it for relating, you know, parents and children relating and kind of that's how it grew from there. Yeah. And I really liked how you, how you emphasize like astrology is not only like, it's not like the one all solution it, but it's a tool that can be used. And I know you mentioned when it comes to like, you use that like astrology, obviously to understand your son a little bit more. Um, tell me a little bit about that. Like, how did you like connect astrology to like understand your son a little bit more? Cause I know, I know for me, like I know how Scorpios act, you know, cause yeah. Taurus yeah. and Scorpios are sister signs. So I have a right. lot of friends that are, that are Compatible Scorpios, signs. you know? Yeah. Um, but for you, just for, for the audience, that's not really understanding that a little bit, you know, like how did you understand sure. and connect that from, from parent to child, that Gemini Scorpio relationship? <laughs> right. So, uh, obviously, so Gemini air sign, Scorpio water sign, they are not naturally compatible elements. Like you, like you mentioned. So I have, um, most of my personal planets in the eighth house, which is the house associated with Scorpio. So my, my son, uh, Mercury and Venus are all in Gemini in the eighth house. So um, now I have my moon in Capricorn, like you do, and that's a compatible sign to Scorpio, both feminine energy signs, right? So, um, and my son has a Gemini moon, interestingly. So there's enough compatibility there that we can kind of understand each other. But in many ways, he is a textbook Scorpio, man. And it's like, I mean, he, he um, everything from, you know, the Scorpio tendency to, they crave attachment and vulnerability, but at the same time are afraid of it because they're afraid of getting emotionally hurt. And that starts as kids. So there were times he would say hurtful things to me, but because I, I know how he is, I knew that he was feeling hurt. And when he lashed out like that, it's because he was hurting. So I didn't, you know, overreact to that. I just kind of listened to him and I knew that he didn't really mean what he said at the time. It was just that he was hurting and that's just part of the Scorpio nature. And then later he would apologize to me. Hey, I didn't mean what I said, mom, I'm sorry. I'm like, that's okay. No big deal. Like, forget it. Like it's done. Right. So that's kind of Gemini's are good at kind of letting go like that. Like let's move up nature of air. Right. It's more of a lighthearted energy. Like, dude, it's fine. I get it. Let's move on. Like, we're not going to harp on this. So um, part of it was, I just, I made the extra effort to understand how he is. And the, one of the big differences is, as you were saying earlier, Gemini people kind of approach the world from this place of logic and detachment, and Scorpio approaches the world from this place of intuition and feeling and attachment. So it is a different energy. So there was a little bit of extra effort I had to put into understanding it, but once I did, a lot of things clicked, and that made it a lot easier. And part of that was me like honoring who he is and his nature, and that it's different from mine, and that's okay, right? So when I need a break, like I'll tell him, Hey, dude, I need some alone time. And I'm thinking, because you're you're just a little too intense for me right now. <laughs> I don't tell him that, but I'll say like, I just, mom needs some alone time. I'll be with you in like 20 minutes. All right, just hold on. And, uh, but it's, you know, it's important that parents take those breaks for themselves too, because you can't pour from an empty cup, right? So, but, um, but yeah, so it, it does, 
it, it did take me some extra effort to to kind of relate to him, but there's enough kind of compatible elements in our chart that we're able to do it. Yeah, and I will say, like, for a lot of parents and their and their children as well, like, obviously there's going to be a lot of differences because obviously with the planets and everything, things change over time. But also there's going to be some similarities. Like, I know for me, a common theme in, in my household, like, a lot of us have Taurus energy. It's just in different mm-hmm. places. So, like, my grandma has right. it in her moon. Um, my mom doesn't have tourist energy, but she has a lot of water. So like water and earth are, are compatible, you know, right. whereas like me, my brothers, we have we have a lot of earth and, fo- and fire in our church, you know. So it's like okay. it changes. Obviously, it changes. But there's some similarities, like you said, like there's going to be something similar that you guys can relate to. I don't right. want to make it seem like uh, like you're right. lucky, you know, like you have like the Gemini moon and, and everything to relate to, you know, um. But I've always been so interested when it comes to that, you know, and there's definitely been moments for myself where I just will sit back and just Google my family's chart and just try and learn everything, you know, and take that next step. Like you said, take that next step, try and learn the other person. Um, but with that, though, first, uh, you should always take time to understand yourself, you know, and a little bit of your chart. Right. Um, but just as we're just transitioning a little bit, when it comes to your chart, I know you said you're a Gemini with a Capricorn moon. So I know that yep. air and that earth that groundedness, but the air obviously free spirited that definitely can clash from time to time. Um, for you, Maria, has there been moments where that has happened for you? And if so, like just, just name one time and, and how are you able to overcome that? (laughs) Oh man. Yes. It's a constant, uh, so, (laughs) um, yeah. So Gemini and Capricorn are such different energies. Like you mentioned, it's, they're hard to reconcile sometimes because there are some days or I know what I have to do, right? For I, to be productive, I know what I need to get done, and I and but I just feel like kind of goofing off, right? So, so I, uh, yeah, and and sometimes I can be very scattered. That's the nature of air of Gemini, right? All over the place. So um, my Earth Moon definitely helps ground that energy. And one thing that's helpful is I'll make a list of like the top things I want to get done that day. And if I, when I do everything, I pretty much kind of goof off for the rest of the day, as long as I've gotten that stuff done, right? It's, for me, it's all about carrots and sticks. Well, if I get all this stuff done that I know I need to do, I have something fun to look forward to later, right? So so that's kind of one way of, of dealing with it is, is you get through the, the stuff um, so you can get to the fun stuff. And the other thing is like, since I, you know, I, I, I like to write, obviously like I'm building this business and I have all these things I need to do. I'm not just doing them to get through the day-to-day sledge, right? The sludge. I'm doing them to build this business is ultimately is going to you know benefit me and my family. And it's all ultimately helping people. Right. So um, that's that a lot of days that motivates me to get things done. And then when I get like a random email or tweet from like a fan who's read my fiction novels, that's talk about how much I love my books. That really helps me kind of like push on to do the next thing. So all those kind of, all those things kind of together help me get the stuff done. Gemini does have the, te- the, capability, the potential to be very productive if you can kind of organize and direct the air energy. That's the key, I think. Yeah, I, I agree as well, because uh, just to share a funny story, like my girlfriend is in Gemini. So she, oh, yeah. yeah, I definitely see a lot of those qualities, you know, because like she definitely is definitely grounded, um, but she definitely has moments where she'll like be all over the place, you know, because it's just when it's a lot of air, you know, you got to 
organize it all, you know, because there's yep. a lot of thoughts and ideas and Gemini's are very intellectually savvy. I will say some of my best conversations have always been with Gemini's, you know, and um, part of that's probably my chart too. And there's some obviously side real charts and all that stuff we yeah. can really get in, in deep into, you know. Um, but yeah, so like, I definitely think, like you said, like, it's good that the Capricorn is there because it helps ground you, you know, and and that's really cool though that like you'll get like a random tweet from a fan and stuff. Yeah. Like, has there ever been like any cool moments other than that, like besides tweets and stuff? I've always just been interested when it comes to that. Like, is there any like one tweet really stood out for you? Um, I uh, I yeah, I've had like uh somebody. So I had a like a book reviewer in India pick up one of my novels, really enjoyed it. Cause she kind of shared it with her family members, and somebody. I don't, I don't even know if it was a friend of hers or somebody kind of messaged me um, through Instagram saying how much she loved the book and she was trying to buy the next book in the series and she couldn't find it. Could I help her? And I was like, well, that's very cool. So I helped her, you know, find it where she could get it right. Uh, the ebook, but it was very cool because she was, you know, uh, very keen on like reading the next book and getting into contact with me. And I love that. Um, and then I have, so I have a YouTube channel on, it's called Positive Parenting with Astrology, right? Where I do a lot of you know, free tutorials on parent-child relationships, different signs, how they relate. And I have a lot of activity and comments from parents on you know, those videos and asking questions or sharing things or telling me how helpful the, you know, the videos were, that they were trying some of the tips and stuff. And that's very heartening that they're actually like helping people because my ultimate goal is to make things easier for parents and kids, right? If you have you know, this strong relationship and this cooperation and collaboration, things are just easier. So, so I like hearing that, that things are working out for the parents and, and um, they're having good relationships with their kids. That makes me feel really good. So that's, those are very cool things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I must say uh, that's definitely really cool to hear, you know, cause I, I definitely think like, as I'm doing podcasting more, like uh, I'm starting to feel, starting to receive a little bit of comments too. So I just wanted to see, yeah. like, just, I know you're deeper into the process, which is great to see, you know, and, and that's definitely really cool. Someone from a completely different country messaging right. you too. That's right. definitely really cool. Um, but just building off everything, I know you mentioned a lot about like your sun and moon. Obviously I know, I believe your Mercury is in Gemini, right? If I'm that's correct right. yet. Yeah, and your Venus is also in Gemini as well. That's right. Um, so for you, uh, I'm just going to continue this conversation when it comes to um, like relationships and stuff. What are some qualities that you really look for when it comes to friendships and also a romantic partner? Right. So, um, yeah, so I definitely need like intellectual and mental freedom. Like I need to pursue my own projects. I'm not the type of person to be joined to the hip to my partner all the time. Sometimes yes, but not all the time. So like my husband is a Sagittarius. So he also has that same kind of need for freedom. Like he kind of goes off. It's a different, different energy, obviously the fire energy. Like he, he's a little more extroverted than me. I like to be I, I have no problem being alone. Like he likes to be with people around people, but we're both very good at kind of giving each other the freedom to do kind of our own things and our own activities, as well as like do stuff together. So that's, that's like the most important thing for me, obviously somebody who respects that about me that um, yeah, that, that I have these goals and things I want to do. Right. So, and obviously, you know, mutual respect, support, open communication, things like that. So that was, something I had to learn about because I was not always the best communicator because I just did not have good models as communicators about relationships. So I had to learn to be like less passive aggressive and more direct 
about, you know, what I wanted, but also things that bothered me and other things. So that was kind of stuff I had to work on. But yeah, that's kind of the big thing. It's just like somebody that will allow me the, the freedom to like pursue my own like intellectual pursuits and, and goals and things like that. Yeah, I will say that's definitely some great qualities as well, especially when it comes to that. Because I know Gemini's and Sag energy. I know uh, just to add like some like fun to it. Like I know for me, I have a lot of Sag energy and like my side real charts and stuff. So gotcha. I know with that, it's like having your own space, you know, having that freedom, mm-hmm. like you said. So I, as I was hearing you describe it, I was like, yeah, that definitely makes sense, you know, because for some people, they need that companionship you know they need someone to constantly be there for other people's you know for other people you know it's like it's not more about the obviously like when you guys are together it means a lot you know but like you're doing your own thing like you said like you're writing your books you're having your youtube channel you're 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 banking you know you say you're doing a lot of stuff you know so with that like you got to have someone that's okay with being alone for a little bit you know or having their time alone um but just building off of that so i know friendships are also like another definitely big thing you know like the people you surround yourself with definitely impact you a lot more than people realize i i believe so yeah um what are some qualities for uh, so friendship wise that you really look for yeah so i'm definitely the type of person that has like a few close friends that i hang out with regularly more than like an entourage i feel like fireside people more like have an entourage about them all the time like that and that's cool that's fine right i don't have the same need like i don't like crowds I, I, I like to, like, I do like to be social. I come across as very social. It's hard not to when you're Gemini because you like to talk about all kinds of different stuff. But at the end of the day, uh, I prefer having like, like one-on-one or deep conversations, either one-on-one or in small groups where you talk about these deep topics rather than like superficial stuff. I, it does not, the superficial subjects just do not interest me, right? If we're having a conversation, something deep, um, something significant for the, you know, the people talking or something we're really, you know, deeply interested in. And those are the kind of interactions I really enjoy. And um, yeah, so like I, my friends, I mean, I uh, get along really well with other other air signs. So Aquarius people are some of my favorite people. My sister is like my best friend in the whole world. She's an Aquarius uh, with a Gemini moon. So uh, yeah, so uh, she's very talkative. When we get together, it's like two two butterflies like buzzing about the whole time. Uh, so I have a lot of other, uh, you know, friends that are other Sag people, Aquarius people. Or we just, you know, get along, have fun together and have a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. So those are the kind of people I think I, I do well with. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I just think that's very interesting, like astrology wise, like the Sagittarius and Gemini's are sister signs. So I definitely, as you're describing, like I have some Sag friends and even my Aquarius sister, you know, has a Gemini moon. So it's crazy how like all those similar traits, you know, kind of just relate and, and just building off of like the relationship talk in general, you know? So I know we mentioned a lot about like qualities you look for in friendships, even like romantic partners and stuff like that. What's some advice that you would give to somebody that's, you know, trying to find a relationship or really just trying to find themselves within like their own relationships with friends and family? Right. Definitely. Um, like you had mentioned earlier, Josh, like know yourself really well, be comfortable with yourself. The more comfortable you are with yourself, the more you love yourself, more respect you have for yourself, the more you can get those things from somebody else, potential partner, right? And be clear about what you want. It's perfectly fine to have uh, an idea of what you want and, and boundaries. And if you're looking, for example, for a potential life partner and you meet people that don't want the same things, 
you know, be honest about that. There's no point in kind of wasting your time with people that just don't want the same things. It's fine for other people to want what they want and it's fine for you to want what you want, right? So that's the thing. I think a lot of people are almost afraid to be their authentic selves. And I would encourage the opposite. I would encourage them to be, to really think about what they want out of life. Because I know I talk a lot on my channel about like reparenting yourself from past childhood trauma. And one of the things that I, I hear a lot about from adults who have experienced childhood trauma is that they didn't know who they were. Like as adults, they didn't know who they were. They didn't know what they liked. And part of their adult experience was finding those things out. So really encourage people to, to find those things out, whether it's through therapy, self-help books, any, you know, things like that, then to be comfortable with themselves, you know, before having, you know, finding a life partner so that you you're clear on what you want and your boundaries. Those are very important. And so you'll find someone who respects that about you, right. And who wants the same things out of life. Yeah. And, and just adding to your point, Maria, like I definitely, there's an exercise that I like to do with my friends. Um, and I definitely, uh, shout out to my Scorpio friend, uh, Kina for introducing me this, this idea. Um, it's this idea of writing down. So you take a little journal, you a little notebook and you write down what qualities you want in like a person, you know? So like whether that's physical, mental, you write it down and it's crazy how, I don't, I would say like the universe, you know, or like, you know, the spirit, spirituality in general just works, you know, because usually if you write that stuff down, someone will come that has those qualities, it, it, but it's just like that powerfulness that like of just writing down something that you like. So I just, as I was hearing your answer, Marie, right. I just, yeah, I just, that idea just really came to my mind. I was like, yeah, like that's definitely something that's great. Like know what you want and a great exercise to do that from my own personal experience, you know, is just jotting down qualities that you look for in a partner you know and somebody will come up and they have those qualities and there you go you know so absolutely um, I will say that was some really spot-on advice and I will say overall when it comes to our full conversation it's definitely been a blast and I've really enjoyed that um, but just building off of everything I just have a couple more questions and then we'll wrap everything sure up um, but I know you mentioned a lot about like understanding yourself you know and I know you're doing a lot of tasks whether that's writing books banking all that fun stuff, even parenting, you know? So let's say you've had like a very long day. Um, so what are some things that you do to really help yourself and, and do self-care for yourself? Cause I know you mentioned like, you really like having conversations with people, mm -hmm. but like, what are some like other things that you, you know, you just had a long day, you need that mental reset button. So what are some things that you like to do? Gotcha. Um, so right after a long day, I like to, one of the things I love to do is read, you know, a fiction novel, not something that I think I should read, like read something for the pure enjoyment of it. Like real, read something like a real page turner that I have a hard time putting down that I really get into that kind of helps me concentrate because I tend to overthink. So that helps me concentrate and kind of block out other stuff. Right. Um, so that's, that's something I love to do kind of on my own. Uh, if my, if my son is home, we love to play video games together. And one of the things I find about gaming is like, I, cause I've been gaming this since I was, you know, younger than my kid is like when I'm gaming, I'm concentrating on the game. Like it, I'm not thinking about anything else. And it almost like it clears the mind and it's a very cool phenomenon. Like I'm, you know, zoned in, I'm in flow state. This is what I'm focused on right now. So it clears the mind of everything else that may have happened during the day. And that like, that's a very cool thing. 
Um, and, you know, but reading a good page turning novel kind of gives me the same focus and clarity where you could kind of cut everything else out. You don't think about the other stuff that happened in the day. So those things definitely. Um, yeah. And uh, if I if I feel inspired, I'll, you know, I'll whip out a few scenes for one of my books. If I'm really excited about it, like that helps, too. So all those things are things I kind of do to unwind at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will say from from someone else that does a lot of pro- projects myself, you know, like it it does a lot of those projects as great as they are you know it, it just takes it does take a lot of work and especially like when it comes to mental health stuff a lot of emotional work as well and, and right. especially with parenting that's a whole other like full-time job you know when it comes yeah. to emotions and everything so that's why I really wanted to ask that question you know because I just wanted to know I think I think that would be really cool and stuff um, but Maria I will say overall I've really enjoyed our conversation um, to wrap everything up um, I always have my guests come on um, I know you probably listened to a couple podcasts before, yep. but the website, I 10 out of 10 recommend this website. It's the horoscope.co. Um, and, and what these, it's like a group of people, what they do is they, they took a lot of their time around like 2018 and stuff and stuff like that before the pandemic, they wrote down, you just Google your sun and moon and they just do a little reading based off of that. So for you, Maria, you are a Gemini sun with a Capricorn moon. Yep. And according to the horoscope.co, what it says for you. And once I'm done the reading, just let me know how you feel about it and stuff. But for you, Maria, it says a reflective personality, honest and fair. The Gemini sun Capricorn moon personality is well regarded in most situations. Although these people need to be careful not to be perceived as too detached or impersonal. So positives for your sun and moon combination, charming, ambitious, and and practical. Negatives can be a little bit edgy and can be a tad bit manipulating at times. Perfect partner, someone who is organized and focused on their own plans. Word of advice, they should be looking to attain a balance between introspection and social life. So as I give you like your little bit of reading, positive, negative, perfect partner and advice, what are some thoughts that come to mind? I think, I mean, that's largely accurate. (laughs) So uh, I I mean, the the moon is in detriment in the sign of Capricorn, right? Mm-hmm. So obviously the moon rules your emotional life. So for it to be in a stoic, reserved sign like Capricorn, it's not super comfortable. And I've always felt that. It was always kind of a challenge to, to be vulnerable uh, in relationships for that reason. So that definitely resonates. Um, I definitely uh, like to be uh, like to be productive, you know? And um, yeah, I, I definitely like recharge my energy by being alone rather than being with people which is i think mm-hmm. different from a lot of gemini people uh like I, I i too much stimulation just after a while just wears me down so that's one of the reasons i like to be to be uh uh recharge at home um but uh, yeah that largely resonates it is kind of a um a challenge to to get the needs of both energies mm-hmm. met right in a fulfilling way but yeah overall definitely definitely resonates <laughs> yeah and and i will say uh maria once once i'm done like the our podcast once we're done i can always send you that link as well it's it's always That'd a cool great. little source and stuff yeah um but i will say maria i've really enjoyed our conversation we really talked about everything you know and i will say before we wrap everything up where can everybody follow you and also on social media and also please uh what's your book's called and this is your the floor is yours maria it's a to promote yourself, you know, and give yourself all that, 
all that space, you know. <laughs> Thank you, Josh. I appreciate that. Um, on YouTube, I'm Positive Parenting with Astrology with Maria Rieger. It's a R-I-E-G-G-E-R. And I'm on, I have my ebooks and print books on Amazon. I've got your Scorpio child and your Gemini child on Amazon and uh, Barnes and Noble and Kobo. And I blog at uh, lawschoolheretic.com and I got my fiction and nonfiction stuff on there as well as I got a lot of tips for like self-published authors on there too. And I'm on Twitter at Rieger M. So yeah, and I, you can email me directly at maria at lawschoolheretic.com. I love hearing from readers. So feel free to email me directly. Yeah, Maria, and I'll make sure to put all the links that you mentioned and all your work you. in the show description as well. So you guys can just click on that and and give Maria a follow. And I will say overall, Maria, I've really enjoyed our conversation and I will say, uh, please stay safe. And I've really enjoyed our time together. Thank you, Josh. I did too. Thank you so much for having me.